0: If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that it's my goal to bring a variety of different types of interviews, people who do different things, have different backgrounds, uh, just for the little nuggets of inspiration, the ideas, the thoughts, the concepts that they can share so that all of us who are listening to these interviews, it's sort of like being enrolled in a little university where we get the best of the best who teach us about their way of doing entrepreneurship. Because what I've discovered is if you've got eight entrepreneurs lined up against a wall, All of them had different paths that got them there. So we have to listen to lots of different people in order to find out what's going to resonate deeply with each of us. And that is why I started three and a half years ago, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We are well over 360 episodes now, and each one brings you something really fascinating and someone really interesting. And today is going to be no different. In fact, today we are joined by Bonnie Bruderer. And she's got that little extra er at the end of her name. So you kind of want to say Bonnie Bruder, er. So thank you for joining us today. Now, she has a background that's really interesting. She started working for tech companies uh, and then took a very major pivot in which she went into the personal development world. And she actually worked for many, many years for Tony Robbins and Harvey McKay. And now she runs a media company that uh, distributes media and video content. So, we're gonna learn all about her path to entrepreneurship and what she does. So, Bonnie, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: No, I I appreciate you being here. We met at the New Media Summit. I had the chance to be uh, a while back on one of your videos that you do with Binge Networks, and it was just a delightful interview. You do a great job of interviewing everybody, so that was fantastic.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. So
0: I don't really read the bios that PR people give. I like for my guests to be able to tell everybody who they are, a little bit more about their journey that got them there and what they do now. So Bonnie, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, so as you said, I started early on uh, working for companies like Citysearch, Active Networks, uh, Ticketmaster, oh, NBC Internet—you name it. I hopped around during the the boom of the internet days, and then I took a turn. I worked for um, celebrity motivational speakers, so I spent my life in ballrooms, on a plane, um, at personal development events, and it was a really cool lifestyle. And I got to meet you know hundreds of thousands of really interesting people. And then five years ago, moved to New York City where I uh, decided to follow my dream of becoming the next Oprah. And I wanted to <laughs> start a talk show. So I started a cable show on the Lifestyle Channel there on M&M and N. and for many years, interviewed people uh, just like this, but on television. And the company grew and grew, and we produced nine spin-off television series, a movie called Influencer, and eventually evolved into being a multi-channel network called Binge Networks, and that's where we are today. So I live in Miami currently uh, with Ginger, who's my dog and the love of my life, <laughs> and um, I run the media company, and it's it's incredible.
0: So what led you to, let's go back to the first pivot away from corporate America and over to working for Tony and Harvey and, and those types of people. What led you to make that pivot the first time?
1: Personal development was had become my passion. I was fascinated by it. I spent all my money and all my vacation time going to personal development events. So During that period of time, um, I'd been fortunate enough to, you know, never have been fired from an internet company, but at the same time, like they were crumbling by the day. Even the top ones, I worked for NBC Internet, which went away. And so I decided, you know, I think that there's maybe more out there than this world that's very um, hit and miss. Uh, So I just followed my passion and I went to work for Tony first and it was the most incredible decision. It's definitely a career of passion. Um, you know, you don't make a ton of money, but you have a very interesting lifestyle and you have 35 weeks, uh, travel about, and the rest of the time you're off. So, um, so yeah, that's what really got me into it. And then once you're in, it's, you know, pretty easy to start working for other speakers. And that's eventually how, what led me to Harvey. And then that was really the, kind of the end of that part of my journey.
0: So then you decided to take your own jump and start your own show and, and become your own brand. And so what was that about?
1: So the funny thing, um, I actually had just graduated from Columbia University's executive coaching program, um, and I was working on Wall Street in-house as an executive coach. And so I worked for um, a securities firm, and I coached all the brokers, kind of like Wendy on Billions, if you guys watched that show. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, I did that. Um, and so I thought that I'd start a TV show to market that and become this sort of like, you know girl on Wall Street coaching all these people. And that was really the impetus from starting the show. Um, mind you, again, I literally graduated like a month before I went to television production school and I had a big student loan. And the first day I did TV, I was like, what? I completely forgot about the vision, loved television, went a thousand percent in that direction. And um, and never looked back. And really, I mean, I was fortunate and unfortunate, I guess, in the same sentence that I needed to monetize. So I had to work really, really hard. And so I had to keep pushing forward and keep producing more shows and juggle a lot of balls. And that's led us to where we are today. Um, So it fortunately worked out, but it was not an easy road. (laughs)
0: So, I mean, you've done very well for yourself, but you weren't the next Oprah. So, how did that pivot to where you were going to be the personality, and now you run the network? I mean, you're you're on the shows, but you're also running it for so many other people.
1: Yeah. So, two things, honestly and truly, um, we were very lucky. We we poached a lot of really great talent to work for our shows early on. So, we had production teams from CBS, from NBC. Um, and I was working this one night. We had this big red carpet party in New York City. I'd run it out of club. We had, you know, supermodels working the red carpet. And Peter Rotundo, who works for CBS and does the morning show and uh, CBS Sunday morning show, which is their, two of their highest rated assets. We were out after the party and we were at a bar with a bunch of, you know, celebrating with a bunch of um, people that had been at the party. And it was like 1.30 in the morning. And he looks at his watch. He's like, oh, I got to go. And I said, what do you have on a hot date? And he goes, no, I have to go to work. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, what time do you think we start for the morning show? So "I have to be there at 2.30. And I was literally in that moment was like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> like I, in, in that moment. So I had to decide what else, like not saying I would have been picked up as an ex over, nothing like that. But that, that was my mission at the time. Like I was held on that goal of surprise. I said, my next, my follow-up question was, what time does Gail get there? And he said about four. And I was like, no, we're (laughs) going to find something else. So um, we just kept producing and the shows were doing great. And we got into the distribution market. And so we started distributing the shows and that became a revenue stream for us. And then so many people, of the guests that had come on the shows wanted their own show. So we just started producing their shows for them. Uh, We had a cooking show, a beauty show, a models and actors show, a pet show. And then you know, over the years just sort of followed the trends and connected device television and OTT was becoming super hot. And so we just realized, okay, we're we're onto something here. So let's figure out how can we take what we've done. And now we have like 10 shows, including the talk show. And how can we scale this so that anyone that wants their own TV show can have it through binge? And that's what we did.
0: So tell me about binge today. What is is the, the business model?
1: Yeah, so we're a multi-channel network, and that's just a fancy way of saying a site like YouTube or Netflix, and so really any content creator can have a channel on binge, and what what makes us unique is that we syndicate, or we take that content, and we put it 50 different places, um, so that is our sweet spot. We work in connected device television, uh, so basically when you have a channel, your videos or audios go then to YouTube, to uh, sorry Apple, to Roku, to Sony, to Samsung uh, 50 times over. And so our model is really, it's a subscription based model. You can have a channel, you pay a monthly fee, you know, there's a setup fee and then a monthly fee. And right now that's our core strategy is to work with any type of content creator influencer to get their message out to the world.
0: All right. So let's use me as an example, right? I, I have a lot of content. Uh, I know how to speak on camera. If I thought, Hmm, binge networks is the way for me. What, what would be like the ideal length of a show? What should I be doing? Or, or when I say I, the people listening to my show.
1: Yeah, I mean, really what's great about binge is you don't need to do anything different than you're already doing. So if you're creating content like this show here or a podcast or a YouTube show, What we do is we just come in and we supercharge it. So we're just another platform for you to share that content or repurpose it. But again, what's unique about us is we put it 50 different places. So we can help get you out into these markets that you're not already reaching. And then if you're a listener and you're wanting to start to create content, it's super simple. You just pop up a channel. You literally register for a channel in our network. You can start to create content with your iPhone. We even teach you how to do that. So we have an automated video series that you get that says, hey, plug in phone, turn on light, start talking. <laughs> and um, and we teach people how to produce content just like we did. And what's great is the, the technology has changed so much even in three years that you can actually produce really great content without having to spend hardly any money.
0: So is there a, a format that's better than others? Should I do an interview show? Should I do like 10 minute you know, tips from me? What What is the, the thing that seems to work the best for the people on Binge?
1: Great question. So really, it's what you're passionate about. You know, interview shows are great. Um, however, I'm just going to be honest. Um, what I found the hard way is, you know, I thought like we're going to make people's lives better. We're going to give them enriching content. They don't care. They want to see a cute little kitten in a teacup, really. And that was (laughs) really hard for me to accept. Um, But when I say that, that people do care about things that you're passionate about. So if you wanted to get on here and just do like a three minute clip every day or every week on things that you learned on your podcast, people love that. Um, People love cooking shows. They love, you know, soccer with the kids. So it's really about whatever your passion is, Um, you know, and again, with interview shows, they're fantastic, but there's more production. You have another guest, you need, you know, camera angles and things like that. And we like to make it easy. So um, so it's, again, pretty much whatever you feel like creating, we're going to take it to the world.
0: So I try to turn this show into a learning experience for me and for everybody else. Clearly, I have an interest in, in, in doing this. I have a whole set of content that is evolving. It's, it's involved a year's worth of research in what's probably going to be five years worth of research around what I call the paradox of potential. I talk to people all the time about how do they feel about their potential in their career and how do they feel about the results they're getting. And and what we're finding is that there's a big gap. And I've been looking for a way to turn this into something other than starting another podcast, trying to do something differently. So is it better if I was to do a video sort of tip show, is it better to do short content? Is it better to do long content?
1: It is better to do short. So we, when we started producing... So our talk show was a 20-minute show on cable television. When we started doing our spinoff shows, we did seven-minute episodes. And people loved it because like you can actually pack a lot into seven minutes. And then the research today shows that the highest-consumed video is a two-minute video. So, um, you know, again, it doesn't have to be like this long, drawn-out thing. I'm sure, like, you did years and years of research and you could probably... Give a three-minute little clip each week on what you found, and that's sufficient for people. Okay, so and today oh, I was going to say.
0: So, last question from a personal standpoint: Is it better to do okay. once a week or once a day?
1: It's what you can do. You know, we do a daily show, so that is a lot of work. I won't lie, um, and and also not to pressure yourself. Like you could say, you know, what I'm going to commit to every week, but if I feel like on Wednesday and Friday also adding something, then I'm going to do it. Consistency is important. So you want to give your viewers a consistent idea of when your videos are coming and what they can expect next, but they always love additional stuff too. So they love it if, you know, we just go live somewhere and they're like, ooh, they're at the dog park.
0: <laughs> Watching Ginger chase the ball.
1: It's pretty exciting. <laughs>
0: So, well, I, I know I'm intrigued by this, which means that I know the people who listen to the show are probably going, I need to find out about binge networks because I've yeah. been, I've been wanting to take my content into this video world and I, I didn't know how to distribute it. So, uh, how do they find binge network? I'm just going to jump ahead and just let, let's, yeah. let's sell this so- to the audience.
1: I was like, we're going to pause because I'm going to register for my channel right now. Yeah, I
0: was just going to say this this episode we're recording won't actually be aired probably for like six or eight weeks because of just the number of people that I met at the New Media Summit who've been on the show. And so I'm thinking by the time this episode airs, they need to go over to Binge Networks and find my videos because we'll have like six weeks Yeah,
1: worth. 100%. Yeah. So people can find us at bingenetworks.tv. And you can see in the upper right, there's a little tab that says apply for a channel. So you can just click on that and fill out the application and one of our producers will get in touch. Um, You can also just go straight to bingechannels.com. If you want to bypass the network, you can go there and um, apply for a channel. And it's it's really fantastic. We're growing literally by the day. We're getting at least one new channel a day right now. So So super great content.
0: Why is this a good idea for someone who is an entrepreneur who maybe has a, a small business they're starting, maybe they're an expert in an area, why is doing video and having some sort of a show that's distributed the way you do? Why, why is this something that they should be sitting up and saying, I need to be listening to this?
1: So video, there's two answers. Video specifically. You definitely should be doing video because it is the highest um, response rate for any type of marketing. So studies have shown recently that if you have a video on your homepage of your website, the conversion rate is 80% higher than with not having video. So think about that for a minute. Whatever you're trying to do, sell a book, get an email address, book a seminar, 80%. That's ridiculously higher. Um, the second thing is connected device television is a very hot market. People are not using it yet, they're not familiar with it yet. Well, people are, I shouldn't say that, hundreds of millions of people
0: are. I'm gonna hold Most you, I'm gonna hold you up right there. What is yeah. connected device television?
1: Okay, I'm glad you asked. So it simply means consuming content on a device. So either your mobile phone, an Apple TV box, um, your Sony PlayStation, um, a smart television. Many TVs these days already have the app store built into it. And that's where we are found, is in the Sony or LG or Samsung, uh, TiVo. You simply go to the app store, type in Binge Networks, and we come up. So the reason that you must, must, must be in this market is that it's, it's the next big thing. Social media is oversaturated. It's incredibly loud and complicated to get your voice heard these days, whereas connected device television is like the new frontier. And um, the way that we've created Binge is that you really sort of use your video as the advertising tool. So you're, you're using your content, we're pushing it out to people that want to, to find it, and that in itself becomes sort of advertorial for whatever you're promoting.
0: Hmm. I, I'm, I'm absolutely intrigued by this, and, and I did my homework on you before we interviewed. We met and sat and had lunch together uh, at the New Media Summit, and I was ill-prepared to be this interested in what it is that, that you sell, but I also think that I, I know that video is the key. For all businesses, and if you're any type of subject matter expert, you've got to have more video out there. And I don't know if you know who Brian Fanzo is, but uh, he's somebody I'm a, a fanboy of. And he talks about it doesn't matter if the videos are even great. Just push the damn button. Start yes. putting stuff out there. And in the interview that I did with you uh, for your TV show, one of the things you said was, gosh, if you go back and look at the early episodes, they they weren't that great. Do you think that video is sort of a learned skill that the more you do it, the better you're going to get?
1: Oh, yes, it absolutely is. And the thing is with video, like I can literally, let me just save you $200,000 because that's about how long it took me to learn this. Um,
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for investing that much money for me.
1: You're welcome. Um, Video can be complicated in that you're dealing with many different facets in that you have sound, you have light, and you have set, you have view. So it's pretty easy to learn how to master those things, but but unless you learn to master those things, you can do a lot of things wrong. So even simple things like using your natural light. Um, if I was sitting, if we were doing video here, I know we're just audio, but if we were doing audio and I was facing a window, that's going to give good light. And that's going to give a good video production. If I had the camera, same seat, just turned the other way. It's going to give a horrible view because my face is going to be shadowed. It's going to look darker behind me and it's going to look like crap. To be honest, so learning just these little tips and tricks of how you can completely produce really great videos for very little, it's easy to do if you know the right steps to take. But we had to make every mistake in the book. Um, And we produced, you know, with a very large production team. Translated as expensive, Um, you know, 20 lights on the studio, even that you can, you can make mistakes with lighting, but we teach you how to just use a halo light from Amazon $100 and you can produce perfectly great quality video. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's just a skill you can learn. But there's so many mistakes you can make if you don't know what you're doing.
0: Sure, no, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think by the time anyone listens to this, uh, go ahead and email me and find out uh, if I actually pulled the trigger and actually started doing videos because I, I want to do that. I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by this. So, now that you've been doing entrepreneurship for so long, what is it that you love about the life you've created? <laughs>
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, freedom, you know, like I, we started, sometimes I always wish you could hear the pre-call before the call cause there's always so many good tidbits, but I literally just came from the Apple store and I bought a new computer and I spent an hour there in the middle of my day. And when you work for a corporation, you don't get to do that. You know, you don't get to do a manicure because you just feel like it. You have to be at your cube from eight to six or, you know, sometimes more. Um, So for me, that is so critically important. I probably would get fired if I worked for someone like the first day anyway, because I'm really hard to wrangle. But um, (laughs) I, you know, the other thing is just I love the possibility. I sit there and I listen to content all day long, whether it's on binge networks or, you know, I'm listening to a TED Talk. And I'm obsessed with Elon Musk right now if that's how you say his name, Elon Musk, but I just love how he thinks and thinks so large. And like with entrepreneurship, that's what drives me. You know, we have really big goals. We definitely want to be the next Facebook or Instagram or Google or YouTube. Um, and so you have to have that entrepreneurial love and drive because it's really hard when you have those big goals.
0: (laughs) So what advice do you have for someone who's listening, who, who wants to go start their own, their own path in the world?
1: What know your why. Why do you want to do it? So for me, I want to do it because I want to make a big impact on the world and I want the freedom and I want the lifestyle that I want. Um, I, when I hear people say, oh, I just want to start my own company, but they don't have a passion behind it or they don't, they want to do it because they don't want to do the other. Um, that's not a real great idea. So I, I think that once you have a very clear vision of what your passion is and why you want to do it, then do it because entrepreneurship is great, but it's also really hard and don't let anyone tell you it's not, especially in the early years, um, because there are definitely times, it's a grind, it's a hustle, it's all of those things that you hear, but when you have that love and that drive, it's like, whatever, who cares?
0: (laughs) Well, I definitely, you know, I definitely see that you have that drive and that passion and that you're getting results, but a lot of people You know, we talked about this before when I said I have this content on the paradox of potential. I study a lot and I see a lot of people who have potential who don't get results. What do you think holds people back?
1: Um, I mean, fear is like the word that pops up that I feel like I'm supposed to say, and I'm sure that that's probably it. Um, And just the lack of belief that it's possible. You know, I think the biggest benefit I had in working for Tony Robbins and Harvey McKay um, is that I was exposed to the belief that anything's possible if you're willing to work hard enough. There's always an, an and. <laughs> well, I love, <laughs> work.
0: I, love um, that, I love the fact that you worked for Harvey McKay, and I told you this before we started the, the, the interview, but I'll share it with everybody. The reason I'm a professional speaker today is directly accountable to Harvey McKay. I saw him speak at a conference when I was like 27 years old, and I went up to him afterwards and said, your job's better than mine. I want to do what you do. And he said, look, you're young. Here's the way you would do it. It would take a long time. This is what people look for. This is how someone becomes an expert. This is how you write a book. But he told me, you don't have to be famous. He goes, I, I, I was a salesman. I, I owned an envelope company. He goes, but yeah. I just started speaking. And he encouraged me at 26 years old to join a Toastmasters club. And I did. And over the years, I, I learned how to speak by just playing in that pool. And then uh, I ended up coming in in the top 18 people in the world in the Toastmasters, uh, competition for the, the speaker of the year or whatever they call it. And, uh, the hall of fame speaking for Toastmasters, yeah. I came in the top 18 in the world and people often ask, how do you get the top 18? Well, there were nine finalists from nine regions around the world. And I was the runner up to one of those. Uh, and then the guy who beat me ended up winning the whole thing. So really, I think maybe I could have been number two. So, you know, just don't know. But, uh, anyway, so after that happened, I wrote Harvey a letter and he turned around and wrote me right back. I mean, this is still early days of internet. I used pen and paper, but, uh, you know, and he encouraged me to take that and how to parlay it. And it took another five or six years, but eventually it became my career. And I had the honor a couple of years ago to be able to write an article for Speaker Magazine, which just for the record is proof that there is a magazine for everybody. But I got to write a cover article about Harvey McKay. Uh, being the inspiration for me getting into the speaking business. And I got to actually spend a couple hours with him interviewing him. Uh, So you brought up his name and I I had to share that because he's awesome.
1: Yeah. And what I love so much about him, I'm so glad that you, that that was your inspiration because he's such an incredible man. And, you know, so a lot of times there's all these incredible up and comers and, you know, newbies in the industry. And so people sometimes don't know who he is um that are you know the younger generation well, well
0: he um, is 80 years old or something like that
1: he's 85 yes um and
0: still but, working and by the way still working
1: still working and running marathons um so the thing that i love about his work is that he's is it's barefoot it's like do the things that matter call people he calls me every year on my birthday Write thank you notes. Know when your employees' birthdays are. Know, like, what, no, I know that you have a child and I know that your child's in school. Like, just little things that I picked up at lunch. So I know that we could talk about that. Like, those things, Harvey teaches just the basics, but they're so important when you're growing a company. And in today's world, a lot of, you know, we talked about this when I got to interview you. People are so focused on the social media likes that they forget to literally, you know, send a birthday card. Or send a thank you card. And that's what makes the difference. And so I really used what I learned from him to build my company. And it really is amazing.
0: Well, and so, I, I, tell, I tell millennials who, you know, I get asked to speak at a lot of young professionals conferences. And I tell them all the time, go read the book, How to Swim with the Sharks Without, Without Being Eaten Alive by Harvey McKay. Um, and I said, don't look at the publication date being like 1987 or 1990 or whatever it was. I said, look at... The timelessness of everything he tells you to do. If you want to learn how to sell, if you want to learn how to be successful, follow what he says. And I get notes from these twenty-somethings who read the book who are like, "Oh my god, that was life-changing." And yeah. you know, so there's a whole new generation of people who should be reading Harvey's work.
1: Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing. When you have a company, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be disciplined. You have to be aggressive. Like the freedom sounds great. It's one thing. You actually have less freedom. Than you have a job, come to find out. But um, but it's, it's so important to still do the things that matter and the things that build success. And when you do, you're able to accomplish pretty much anything.
0: Yep, absolutely. So Bonnie, I'm not going to let you go yet. I have a couple more questions for you. Good. <laughs> but first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment and training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Bonnie. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Bonnie, I call this show... Cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now?
1: Oh, business. I was prepared like what I do to, to get ready for the day. Um, okay. The
0: <laughs> well, I'll ask you that next.
1: Yeah, the cool thing—I mean, the coolest thing—is just to be able to syndicate people's technology or uh, video content. It's so fun to like work with someone like you who's put their passion and their life into creating something, and then the next day it can be seen all over the world: South America, South Africa, China. That's really, really fun. So we love doing that. Um, and like I said, we're growing by the day, so it's super fun to engage with people and to learn. Like, oh yeah, we can do that. We can do that by tomorrow. Um, so that's really, I think, the coolest thing that we're doing.
0: That's awesome. Now, when we've talked before, I know that you have like a morning ritual. And I had shared <laughs> with you that I suck at morning rituals. I get up. First thing I do is I grab my iPhone. And I look at all the emails that I got. And I I look at pictures of people's beers from the night before on, on Facebook. But what do you do when you wake up in the morning?
1: I So this is something I learned from Tony. And I learned from Harvey. And I also learned from watching them. Um, and I... I am so strict about this. So like the minute I wake up, you have to program your thoughts for success. So uh, one time when I worked for Robbins, I used to have to get up at four, I think it was like four fifteen in the morning and I hated it. And so I programmed my mind to sing Rise and Shine. (laughs) So like I literally, the (laughs) second I wake up, it will start singing that song.
0: Now, now, I'm not sure everybody knows that song, Bonnie. Give us the first verse.
1: Rise and shine and give God your glory, glory.
0: (laughs) I remember you've just taken me back to Camp Buckhorn. (laughs) In Southern California in 1975.
1: <laughs> I know. I had to do it though, because I like, I have to, you know, you start positive. Um, it's hard to be negative when that song is going through your head.
0: Bring on the glory, glory. No, you're absolutely right. Glory,
1: glory. And then don't judge me, people, or think I'm crazy. But I, so I sleep with my puppy and I look at her and I tell her everything that's going to happen for the day. So I go, Ginger, she's going to be. Awesome. And I roll through what's going to happen. I'm like, we're going to go to the park right now. We're going to make coffee. And then I go through like my big deals. Like we're going to close this deal. We're going to have this meeting. This is going to happen. Erica's going to do great at the trade show today. Like we just go through the day um, so that I can verbally sort of acknowledge my goals and what I, what I want to accomplish. And then I go downstairs, I have this beautiful, like, all-glass front to my house where I live in Miami, and I have chalk pens, and I write down the goals, like, the major goals. This is how much revenue we want to bring in. This is what we want to partner with. This is... And so for me, that sets the foundation. And then I make my coffee, and I go look at my vision board. Don't worry, we're almost done. It's almost time to... <laughs> to leave the house. Um, And I look at my vision board and I make a vision board very frequently. And I have pictures and words and visuals of what I want to have in my personal life and my professional life, you know, family life, travel. So those are the key things that I do to really focus on the energy that I want to create with David. No,
0: I think that's great. But I think we've let out the secret. If there's any corporate espionage who wants to get all the secrets about binge networks, they have to go talk to Ginger the dog because apparently Ginger knows (laughs) all of
1: it. Well, interestingly, Ginger the Dog has her own TV show on Binge Networks. Really? And she does talk on one of the shows. So you can just find her there.
0: So tell me about Ginger's – we can't let that go. Tell me about Ginger's <laughs> talk show.
1: So when we first started some of our shows, um, I was so fascinated by all these YouTubers that just, you know, like lived in their mom's basement and rode a skateboard and were making millions of dollars. So we made sort of – it's not a parody, but we made a show of Ginger – Um, And it's narrated. It's a documentary of her little life, you know, living in Manhattan as a single woman running a company. And it's actually quite funny. It's called The Adventures of Ginger. And we had a, a professional filmmaker do it. So it's very well done. And she talks about her struggles and, you know, boy dogs sniffing her butt and... Like managing all of her emails. And so it's really it's really quite funny. We had a voiceover actress do her voice. Um, so that's one show. And then she stars on another show called Cutie Paw Diaries with two cats. And that one she actually talks. There's an app that makes animals mouth talk. And that is another show. You'll have to go over there to watch that one. I'm not going to let the cat out of the
0: bag. Ah, I get it. Uh, no, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, laughing. I'm thinking somewhere along the line there's the line, it's a dog's life. So.
1: It's a little bit like that. It actually is a hundred percent okay. Spoiler alert. Um Ginger made friends with two cats that live next door and she always I couldn't figure out why she was obsessed and then we figured out she was going next door to eat their food. Oh. So <laughs> it's all about that and the cats thoughts on that and their relationship. It's really
0: funny. So what it what it comes down to is is you just go be nice to everybody and they give you food. Yeah. That's exactly. like a that's like a parable for life. Go be nice to people and then eat their food. It's all good. Yeah. So We
1: kind of have the same strategy. <laughs>
0: so, so this is delightful. We could make this like a two-hour episode. I could go on asking you, Bonnie, about you, about Binge Networks, about Ginger, uh, the dog, about all of that, about your adventures in Miami. But we only have so much time for this show. And on top of that, I'd love to ask the people who come on this show who it is they admire out in the entrepreneur sphere, out in the world of entrepreneurs. Because I think great entrepreneurs are observers. Clearly, you have been uh, with the stuff that you 've done, the people you've watched, the people you've got to work for, so when you look around the entrepreneurial world, who do you say now that person they're doing cool things
1: for me it's always been oprah i've been obsessed with her forever I've watched every interview she's ever done um and her you know talks at colleges i I just i cognitive profile every move she makes because I just think she's so brilliant and not just in the media world and what she's created there, but the impact that she makes on the world with her school in Africa for girls, with her, you know, every, everything she does, um, I think is brilliant. So she's a big one. And then just really big thinkers. I love Elon Musk, as I said, I'm, um, and Jack Ma. I'm really obsessed with Jack Ma. <laughs> People are like, you've got to stop watching that. But <laughs> I watch every single thing that he does um, as well. You know, my secret wish is that Alibaba will buy binge networks one day. I'll just let that cat out of the bag as well. So, but for years I've cognitive profiled what he does and how he thinks because he's just built this brilliant company that I believe will even dwarf Amazon one day.
0: I think it's That's on its the, way already. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, And so, it, so yeah, so those are my three. I know you said one, but again, I'm hard to wrangle.
0: That's totally fine. So the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I kind of think as entrepreneurs, we're very fortunate. But with that being fortunate, I think we have a responsibility to to help others. So what do you do?
1: Yeah, honestly, like whatever I can. I don't have one big thing. I would love to say like I donate 10% of the proceeds to Kiva, but unfortunately, I don't. I try to do things in a day-to-day, um, realm to help make people's lives better. So, you know, if I see somebody that needs something or like I'll pick up a check or like the other day I had a friend whose pet passed away and I called the vet and paid for part of the bill, um, you know, just like little things that you can do to give back to make people's lives better, um, and and then have them pay it forward however they can. And then with the company, we definitely support any great cause. So, like, we just had a talk the other day with someone that we both know from New Media Summit that's doing this really cool event with the nephew of the Dalai Lama. And it was like, put us in for a sponsorship. We'll broadcast all your, you know, content on a channel. So things like that, um, I love to do. Any type of, like, uh, especially for women, like any empowerment, we're always giving away channels and sponsors and things like that.
0: Well, and, um, and I can add that I, I don't know you very well, and I didn't spend a lot of time with you, but you definitely have a very generous uh, sort of aura about you. And it, it's very clear that uh, that is something you do and that you see people. So something I talk about a lot in my speeches is we have this ec- epidemic of loneliness. Uh, it's been written up in the uh, Harvard Business Review last fall. There was a huge article by the former Surgeon General of the United States saying that people are, are lonely and they don't feel that anyone sees them. Uh, there was yeah. an article on LinkedIn a couple of months ago that went viral that talked about. Uh, it was really about the millennials, but it went farther, talking about you know, in this age where we're all so connected, people feel invisible. They don't feel seen, and so I've, I tweet a lot with the hashtag #SeePeople. Because it is something that I think we need to do. I think we need to put our phones down and and notice the people around us, whether we're at a table, whether we're at a networking function, whether we're just walking down the boardwalk at the beach. So often we just look past people. When we order the coffee uh, from our barista at Starbucks, you know, I'm guilty of this. Just give me my grande non-fat vanilla latte. And now I stop and I look them in the eyes and I ask them, has it been a busy day? Uh, If they're wearing the black apron at Starbucks, I ask them, are you just wearing someone's apron or did you earn that? Because you may or may not know that uh, when you reach a certain level as a barista, they're awarded with this black apron that basically says they're a coffee expert. And it's fascinating the way they light up if they actually have gone through the extra schooling and you know that the black apron means something. They get very excited. And how kind of shy they get if they just stole someone else's apron because they forgot to bring theirs that day. So they're like, no, not really. Um, but yeah. the fact that you see them and and you're one of those people who I can tell you see the people around you.
1: Thank you so much, yeah, it just it's easier and it can be so little like you can do the littlest thing, but you don't know what's happening in that person's life and you don't know what's happening in their day and sometimes. You know, everyone needs a champion. So I, I'll constantly like shout out compliments. Like I'll just be walking, I'm like, "Great shoes!" You know, <laughs> lights up someone's whole face, and I meant, I meant it. Like I was, you know, it's not like, a, oh, I must give three compliments. But it's so interesting to see how the little teeny things make such a big difference in people's lives, and it's most of the time free, and it's so easy.
0: Absolutely, so, absolutely. Well, man. thank you. Well, and thank you for your generosity of spending the time to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Thank you so much. It's so much fun. I love your group and I could talk all day too. We're all having such a good time here.
0: Well, and we said it up front, if people want to find you, how, how do they, how do they, how do they contact you?
1: Sure. networks.tv And if you're just interested, well, not just, if you're interested in a channel, go to bingechannels.com.
0: That's awesome. And then are you on all the social networks? Can they find you there?
1: We are everywhere, and everywhere we're at Binge Networks. Like, honestly, we're on, like, 20, but it's always Binge Networks.
0: Nice. That's great. Well, thank you, Bonnie, so much for being here on the show. And I say it every episode, thanks to those of you who tuned in, because if it wasn't for the audience... We wouldn't have a show. So if you like the show, go over to iTunes, leave a review, uh, subscribe to the show. Apparently the magic number to get your show found is for people to hit that subscribe button. So walk around your office, tell everybody to pull out their iPhone, hit subscribe to cool things entrepreneurs do and uh, leave comments. Come onto the social media at cool podcast on Twitter. I'm at Tom Singer everywhere else. You can go to TomSinger.com. Also, if you want to join my group coaching program, it's called the Potential Mastermind Project Just go to potentialmastermind.com. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Bonnie. And I know you're thinking, how is that possible? She's so cool. But we always figure that one out. Hey, but in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day.